Good morning, everyone. Good to see your smiling faces, those that aren't wearing masks. <clears throat> I just assume if you're wearing a mask, you're smiling too. Uh, today's a, a, a important for a lot of different reasons. Uh, kickoff Sunday, we try and get all of our ministries back on track, and uh, lots of uh, new things are starting up this fall as well. We're, if you looked on the wall that when as you came in on the nursery wall, our new vision statement has been uh, printed up there, and that's what I'll be preaching about today, where are we headed as a church. The other thing is we have a partnering congregation with us, um, our Cantonese service. Their name is actually uh, Maple Ridge Good News Church. If you're a part of Maple Ridge Good News Church, would you please stand up wherever you are? Ready, go. Yeah. Thank you all. And so they will be meeting uh, during our service times in our uh, multi-purpose room down, uh, down below, and um, their kids will be coming to our kids' programs and youth to our youth programs and so on, but they need Cantonese language, and so right now we actually have a simultaneous translation happening. Uh, Pastor Wei Feng Chao is just outside the door here using an FM transmitter to translate my sermon into Cantonese. So a lot of things going on today, new things for our church, and I just have to say, God is at work. There's a lot of things that God has put together, and we're trying to catch up with Him. So uh, <clears throat> bear with us. Everything's new. We haven't gone this direction before. We also have a Korean service that meets after our service times in our chapel area, and uh, we're just excited to see what God is going to be doing with us this, this coming year. Several years ago, I used to live in the country of Norway. I was pastoring an international congregation. And uh, if you've ever been that far north, it was about the same latitude, is it, as uh, Anchorage, Alaska. So we didn't have a lot of sunlight in the wintertime. It would be dark from about 10 o'clock in the morning till, or sorry, light about 10 o'clock in the morning till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And so you, you, get, you can get depressed. Lots of darkness. And um, once, one springtime, we'd gone through a long, long, dark winter. And uh, I remember I was preaching. It was a Sunday morning. We had some stained glass windows on the side of the building. And just around the time of I was wrapping up my sermon, this, the shaft of light came through the, the window. And it, it shone down on the congregation. And it was like people went, oh, this, the sun is back. It's come back. And, and right then and there, we, we decided we're going to go have an impromptu picnic at a, at a local lake that was not too far away. And we had one of these, um, we kept it in our car, a little uh, aluminum foil type of um, uh, barbecue thing. You throw a match in it, and, and it burns nicely, and when you're done, you just throw it away, a portable uh, instant thing. So I, we, we had it in the back. We said, we're going to head to the lake. We'll meet you there. Several families went and, and met at this lake. As we were walking along from the parking lot to the lake along the pathway, we saw attached to several of the trees along the pathway um, a wooden frame, and inside this frame was a long wooden handle with a, what I call a fire whapper inside. And this is what a fire whapper looks like. See if we get a new next slide. There we go. So in Norwegian, they're actually called a brand smacker. <laughs> so brand is Norwegian for fire, and 
I guess you just smacked the brand. So, and I, I was, how funny is that? Uh, interesting cultural experience for me. So we had, went to the lake, we set up at this picnic table, our fire was going, we cooked our, our hot dogs and the hamburgers, and, and across the lake, I saw high up in the sky, these leaves were twir- twirling around. And I thought, that's, that's so fascinating. Wonder what, why are those leaves twirling around in the sky? Well, it was moving towards us, and on the lake, it looked like the water was rippling a bit, almost like there's piranha, but you know, in Norway, I don't think there's piranha, it was just, uh, just rippling, and, and it was moving in our direction, and I, I said to my buddy Mark, I said, Mark, what's, what's going on? She says, oh, it's nothing, it's, I don't know, weird, nothing. So, <laughs> I don't think it's not nothing, I think it's something, and so it just it came closer to our campsite along the, our picnic table, it, when it hit the shore, it turned out to be a whirlwind. And it picked up branches and leaves and twigs, and it was just swirling. It picked up our fire uh, <clears throat> barbecue thing. And it was throwing coals around our head. And eventually, this poof, threw it into the tall grass that had been there all winter long. And there was an instant grass fire. And we're going, okay, I'm thinking, I'm a fight or flight, and I'm not much of a fireman. So I'm thinking, we need to flight. <laughs> so... <laughs> The only other option was to wait till it burned out, to stand in the lake until it surrounded, you know, and burned itself out. And I, I said, I'm more about survival, so get your stuff, we're going, we're leaving right now. Pack it all up, whatever's left, we're getting out of here. There's one pathway out. And as I was about to get, get going, this 80-year-old Norwegian woman, grandma had her kids there, she, she came over, dipped her blanket in the water of the lake and started hitting the fire. And I'm going, run for your life, what are you doing? And she's hitting it, and I'm feeling like, okay. And I got my blanket, and I'm going to whack in the, the fire, too, and then other people's. And from everywhere, all directions, people came, came running. The smoke was already going big. Came running, and what did they have in their hands? The, the, the brand smackers. And they're poofing, and they're whapping, whapping the fires out. And we surrounded this. We all had our blankets, or we went to the lake, and we kept hitting this. We surrounded it eventually. We put this fire out, and we're like, oh, did anybody get a picture? I mean, this is like YouTube gold, you know. No one took a picture. Just as we were like patting ourselves in the back and heading back to the car, the fire engine came down the path going, yeah, don't worry about it. We took care of it. It's okay. And as a good pastor does, you, you, you realize that you got a, 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 an amazing sermon illustration. What are you going to do with this? Let's see. we got fire. We got water, we got wind, you know, thinking about Elijah on the mountain, maybe there's a, we're just missing an earthquake, you know, <laughs> could have had it all. And then for days, for days I was wondering, what, is this, what does this all mean? What, what is the purpose of this, this event that took place in our life? And I started to understand, for me, it wasn't so much the, 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 the fire or the wind, the water, it was about the people. They all came together, like they didn't run away. They ran towards one another, helped each other, and together they did something amazing that no one could have done alone. I was humbled by these uh, stalwart Norwegian people that came running to help. And, and it, it actually could have gotten out of control. There were several times where we thought we were going to be uh, in trouble. And um, I was really left in awe at how they came together and worked things out. And um, it's a story that we will never forget. So if you go into the Norwegian 
uh, lake area, notice the, the brand smackers. Uh, it might come in handy, you never know. Revival and spiritual awakening come when people get on their knees before God and he sees fit to pour out his spirit on them in power and he wants to give us authority to accomplish what it is he has in mind to do. What I see with my story is that people came together. They came together for a purpose and a direction and that's what I want for our MRAC, all of our friends here, to realize that God has a plan. He does have something for us in mind to do but we have to be together. We have to be on our knees seeking Him. I truly believe God is calling our church to do something together. And so if you noticed on the wall inside uh, the church here, uh, a new vision statement has been put up there. We've worked on this for several months between our, our ministry staff and our elders. Come together at a time of retreat and just say, what does God have for this church? Where are we going? So this vision that I want to preach about today, and, and just to let you know that the vision statement is on the wall, but every Sunday from now until uh, four Sundays from now, I'll be speaking through our um, uh, missions statement. So what does it look like? How do we work out this vision statement? So you're going to notice new things on the wall uh, each Sunday for the next, the next month. Here's the vision for us today and the coming years. We're going to be transforming our world together. Do we have a slide? There we go. Transforming our world together through the power of God, one life at a time. Vision. Let me just give you my starting place for vision. I don't believe that we are to dream up a dream. Next slide. <clears throat> I don't think that we are supposed to dream up dreams for God to bless. I don't think we all gather together as leaders and say, what do you think we should do? Oh, what do you think we should do? What do you think we should do? What do you think we should do? I don't think we get a consensus and then put it on the board and then and finesse the sentence and then find a scripture to go with it. What we do instead is we get on our knees first and say, what, is, what do you think God is saying to us? What is God showing us? What's on God's heart and his mind? I believe God reveals to us what he wants us to accomplish. And we're not to look at things from our perspective at all. We're to see things through the eyes of God. He begins working in us and from the inside out, showing us what he wants to do in our neighborhood and in our city and in our, in our province. And he says, here's what I want you to do. Here's your role in what I want to accomplish. So what spiritual condition does he see when he looks at our church? What needs does he see when he looks over our neighborhoods and our communities? What is on his heart to accomplish through us, his servants, his ambassadors? So it's not our perspective that matters. It's God's perspective. My dad used to say to me all the time, he was my pastor for many years of my life, and I'd ask him a question, and he'd say, well, that's not the right question. <clears throat> ask that, rephrase that question from God's perspective. And going, ugh, that's hard. <laughs> it's not, what is God's will for my life, but what is God's will? And how do I fit into his will for my life? He constantly told us as kids growing up to rephrase things from God's perspective, not from what we want to get from God. What's on my shopping list for God to bless? That's not how it works in God's kingdom. He didn't come to Moses and say, hey, Moses, how do you think we should free my people from slavery? He didn't come to Joshua and say, Joshua, Jericho is a pretty tough city. You're kind of a military guy. How do you think we should solve this problem? He didn't come to Wikipedia or Google to search on how to redeem a lost humanity. 
He doesn't need our advice. He doesn't need our opinions. He needs our obedience. So as a church family, we are searching and seeking for God. What is on his heart for us to do? And how do we fall in line with what he wants as his people? So the first line in the vision is transforming our world together. The first question I have, though, is do you care? Do you actually have compassion for lost people? Does it matter to you if people aren't going to be with you in heaven when you get there? Because if, if it doesn't really matter, then I have to say there's a problem with your heart. If you're not burdened for the lost, if you don't care that people are, are not going to make it to heaven one day when they die, then I, then I have to say you're, not, you're probably not on God's team. And you can't say that he's the Lord and your Savior because you don't have a heart like Jesus. Jesus is all about saving those that that aren't going to make it, that have chosen a different route than through salvation through him. Jesus said in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We become his instruments of peace and of hope and of love to a world that needs to hear. He's sending you and me with a message of reconciliation and a message of redemption, a message of of transformation, transformation out of darkness into light, out of deceit and lies into truth and transparency, out of weakness into strength, out of fears to faith, out of insecurity to confidence. The gospel is essentially a message of transformation from the inside out. Three verses I want to look at just quickly. Philippians 3.21 It says, Christ will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This word body is soma. It is about your your entire being. Uh, It's whatever casts a shadow is what this is referring to. We're going to be transformed physically um, to look like him. First, second Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed again into the same image from one degree of glory to the other. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This word image is a, a likeness, a moral image, a figure. Physically, uh, our image, we're going to look like Christ, act like Christ, sound like Christ. The, the next one is Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed by this, uh, to this world, but be transformed again by the renewal of your mind. And then that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is and what is good and acceptable and perfect. This word mind is all about your thoughts and feelings and will and your right judgment. In other words, transformation happens three different ways, even according to this this scripture. We're not the same person when Christ comes to live inside of us. He begins this transformational process, the way we think, the way we act, what we do, how we spend our finances, where we spend our time. Everything changes transforming our world together. Gospel is not something we add to our life. It's something that takes over our life. Jesus becomes our primary influencer in all things. All of our efforts will not come to much unless there's power. Power from him for this transformational process. I read about a pastor uh, in my research this week that uh, used to ask people when they came to join his church, they said, do you want some... Membership with power or membership without power? Because we've got a lot of members already without power. We kind of like to come for the membership with power because that's what's going to transform people's lives. So 
The, the middle part of the vision statement, we have transforming the world together through the power of God. You know, um, myself, I don't have a whole lot of power. I can't change anybody's heart. I can hardly change their mind. Uh, I can preach really, really hard and really good and have funny stories and illustrations, but they can leave exactly the same person that they were when they came in. But if they come here and they encounter the presence of God, if they encounter the Spirit of God who, who comes in and dwells in and, and fills us, they will, won't leave the same person. They'll be impacted by the power of God in their heart and life. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Listen to what Jesus said. And while they were staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, talking to his disciples, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, uh, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The same promises to every person who believes in him. If we want to actually see transformation happen, it has to be done through the power of God. Uh, we will waste away, we will be burned out, we will be discouraged and dejected if we keep working in our own strength and our own power. Psalm 62, 11 says, God has spoken plainly, and I have heard it many times, power, O God, belongs to you, and unfailing love, O Lord, is yours. So how many of you know the name D.L. Moody? Have you heard of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago? Uh, D.L. Moody was a, was a world-famous evangelist. I have some encouragement because I heard he was 285 pounds. And so, you know, even big guys can be used uh, <clears throat> by God. So uh, D.L. Moody uh, was a guy, he is said he, he preached to over 100 million people. This is the late 18th century, early 19th century. He had a powerful message. He, God used him in amazing ways. And a close friend of his named R.A. Torrey um, was talking about Moody, talking about the power that he had. And he says there are, um, there's requirements to be met before God bestows his power on his people. And, and looking at Moody's life and all that God was doing through him, and I'll, I'll tell a little bit more in a minute, he said this, if you want to have the power of God, first of all, you have to be fully surrendered. Fully surrendered. Not partially surrendered, half surrendered, or a little bit surrendered. Or here, God, here's a little bit back uh, for your, your kingdom. It's fully surrendered. Andrew uh, Murray, South African Christian author, wrote this book, Fully Surrendered to God. And in it, he says, there's only one way to obtain the full blessing of God in your life, and it's about absolute surrender. Totally placing your life, your family, your possessions, your dreams, your aspirations in God's hands, letting him guide you as he will. How hard is that to do? Think about this week. Some of you let your kids go into a new school, a new class, a new teacher, and you got to trust. God, take care of my kid. I'm going to leave them in your hands, pray for them every day. I can't be there every minute of the day. Surround them with your angels, Father. Guide them and protect them from bullies, from bad teaching, from from whatever it would be that they might experience, God, be there with them. I, I, I put my kids, I have three kids, and they've all just finally graduated from university. 
And um, we prayed them through a lot. <laughs> That's a lot of school. But we put everything in God's hands, our, our future, our, our dreams, our aspirations, our kids, our finances, everything, and say, God, whatever we have is yours. Use for your glory. Fully surrendered. A friend of Mr. Um, <clears throat> Moody once said to him, it remains to be seen what God will do with a man who gives himself wholly up to God. And D.L. Moody says, I want to be that man. And R.A. Torrey, looking at Moody's life, says he did not stop short of absolute surrender to God. He was wholly surrendered to God. And if you and I want to be used, you and I must be wholly surrendered men and women. So it's said that D.L. Moody was the most influential Christian in his generation, sharing the gospel with 100 million people, um, starting two Christian schools, setting the standard for evangelical revivals for generations. He started a printing company, Moody Press, to print Christian materials for the common person. And with the famous hymn writer Ira Sankey, published numerous hymnals and gospel songs for revival meetings and worship. Fully surrendered is the starting place to have the power of God. The second thing Tory says, if you want power, you have to be a person of prayer. Prayer is where you get the power. It's communing with God himself. D.L. Moody was a wonderful preacher, Tory says, but by all accounts, he was a far greater prayer than he was a preacher. I read that Tory said that oftentimes Mr. Moody would write to me when he was about to undertake some new work. And he says, I'm, a, I'm beginning a work in such and such a place at such and such a day. I, I want you to get the students together at the school for a day of prayer and fasting for me. Because he knew that he needed the power of God for these new ventures to, to take place. And it says that they would gather the students together and they would uh, sometimes pray far into the night, sometimes till one or two or three or four o'clock in the morning until just uh, because Moody had urged them to. And they waited there before God until God gave them the answer, until God says, it's okay, I will act. Are we that desperate for God's power? Do we want to see transformation in the lives of our family and our kids you see them going the wrong direction. What price will you pay in prayer to help them get back in the right direction? Will you pray for them once a week? A couple times a week? If you see your son or daughter moving down the wrong direction, hanging out with the wrong friends? Or are you going to be on your knees every morning and every night until God brings the answer? God wants to know, are we sincere and serious about our prayer time? D.L. Moody said, there are many of us that are willing to do great things for the Lord, but few of us are willing to do little things. Few are willing to pay the price, the hard work of prayer in order to be filled with the power of God. So there's preaching and there's teaching, there's leading, there's singing, there's all these visible activities, but I can tell you the most powerful activity is behind closed doors in prayer. That's where the power will come from. Number three, Tori says, if you want God's power, you have to be a deep and practical student of the Bible. He said Moody uh, was not a student of psychology. He was not a student of anthropology. He wasn't a student of biology or philosophy or even theology. He was a student of the Bible, the one book that has the answers to life, the one book that can give power, the one book that has the promises of God that you can access for your own life. He says, uh, Tori says, oh, uh, you may talk about power, but if you neglect the one book that God has given us uh, as the one instrument through which he imparts and exercises power, you will not have it. 
He says 99 Christians in every 100 are merely, merely playing at Bible study. And therefore, 99 Christians in every 100 are mere weaklings when they could be giants. So there's a difference between when you become a Christian and the Spirit of God comes and indwells you. You become a temple of, of the, the Holy Spirit. When you are born again, you are renewed. You are transformed. You become a, a place where the presence of God resides for, forevermore. But that's not the same thing as being filled with the power of the Spirit. The Spirit of uh, power comes upon you to accomplish certain things He wants you to do. To, to, to be able to speak to someone the, the truth of the gospel, to be able to endure uh, suffering sometimes, or to have wisdom to know how to uh, bring the gospel message, to do ministry, to do the hard things of life. The, the power of the God comes upon us to, to equip us and enable us to accomplish His will. There's a difference between strength and power. I like this quote. Goliath had strength. David had power. He had God's power, right? He could not have done what he did on his own. The difference between strength and power is clear when you see David and Goliath, who, who won the victory. was the one who was on his knees before the Lord, accessing the power of God to accomplish what needed to happen. The fourth thing that Tori says needs to happen if you want God's power is you have to be a humble person. He said that uh, D.L. Moody would get down on his face before God knowing that he was human, and asked God to empty him of all self-sufficiency. It's never about us. It's not about our reputation. It's not about what we do. It's about what God does through people who are humbled before him, who seek him, who pray to him, who search for him in his word, and access his power to accomplish his will. So we have transforming a world together through the power of God, one life at a time. So Galatians 5.14 says, the whole law is fulfilled in the one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let me ask you again, do you care? Do you care about your neighbor, about your family members who are not saved? Do you love them enough to share hope and good news and Jesus with them? I mean, we can invite them here to hear the message of the gospel, but you know what? It's even better if you tell them yourself. It's even better if you say how God has transformed my life, how God is answering prayers for me, how I used to be so full of anger, and now I, I don't know, I just got this peace about things. I'm not so worried anymore. I'm not so anxious like I used to be. And then they say, how can you be so calm when everything's falling apart? And I say, because Jesus is in me. I, that's the only answer I have. Your testimony is powerful. If you don't care, if you don't have a heart of compassion for others, really, then pray this simple prayer every day until it happens. Pray this prayer. God, break my heart by what breaks yours. God, break my heart by what breaks yours. If you don't see someone that is homeless on the side of the road without Saying a prayer for them as you go by. God, help them out. God, is there something you want me to do? God, give them a place. If you, walk, if you go by and try to be not noticed, it's like, okay, 
you know, Jesus <laughs> reached thousands often, preached to thousands often, but you know what? He also saw one person at a time. He saw Zacchaeus hiding up in a tree. He saw a woman sitting at a well, drawing water. He saw a rich man late at night, a crippled man along the road, blind man. He notices each person one at a time. And that's how we come to him, one person at a time. We're not asked to reach the masses. We're not asked to preach to thousands. We're asked to talk to the person at the bus stop, the person in line with you at the grocery store, the mom and dad waiting to pick up their kids at preschool, that fellow teammate you sit beside on the bench. So the one word so far that I've, I've left out in our, our vision statement, transforming the world together through the power of God one life at a time, and that word is together. This is not something we do alone. This is something we do as a church family. This is something we do as a community of believers together. We're here sent and commissioned to transform the world around us. It's not just together us uh, as a church. It's, it's us together with other churches. We're part of a larger context. We're, we're part of uh, the Ridge Church. We're part of uh, the Reformed Church. We're part of uh, other churches in our, in our town that are also trying to carry out the same commission. Part of our DNA to share the good news together, to disciple people together, to walk together along the roads of life, encouraging one another, helping one another out. So over the next month, we're going to be just working out what this, this, this statement looks like. What, is, what does it mean in a practical terms for all of our ministries and all of our people? What direction are we as a church congregation heading if we're to transform the world? Well, it starts transforming uh, in our own heart. And, and maybe what I'm talking about today is a little, it's kind of like going over your head because you feel like there's so much still in your own life that needs to be transformed, that God's power really still needs to work it out. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. You come to church on Sunday and you put on the smiley face and you go home thinking, is my marriage going to last the week or not? I don't know. Maybe you're fighting with your kids all the time. Maybe you want peace in your home. Maybe you're looking for transformation in your own life. Maybe you're at a job you can't stand to go to even one more day, and you're saying, God, God, give me some direction. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm stuck in a job I hate. Can you help me out? And God says, yeah, you know, come and pray to me, and I'll show you great and wonderful things that you don't know. Do you want his power? Do you feel like you're weak? Do you feel like you can't say anything? Do you feel like you're having no influence on anybody else? It's time to access his power. It's time to ask God's power to fill you for his, his purposes in your life. What he wants to do in his kingdom through you. Let me remind you that God is still mighty. God is still mighty to save. God is still in control. God is still about redeeming a lost humanity, transforming hearts and minds and souls out of his great love for people. God is unfazed and he is unchanged and he is undistracted in his purposes. He is still love. He is still holy. He is still faithful. He is still powerful. He is still deserving our worship and our adoration. Recently, heard a song on the radio that just, it stopped me. Um, I think it's, hmm, who wrote it? Chris Tomlin, I think. 
And I asked Kyle if he would help our church to learn this song. And so we're going to sing a song. It's called Holy Forever. And it, and it put everything back in perspective for me when I started to think about all the stuff going on in my life, all the stuff going on in the world, how there's so much disruption, the politics, the division, the strife, the, 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 the not talking to people anymore, the cancel culture. And this song reminded me again that he is still holy forever. Like despite what goes on in our life, he has not changed. He's still Lord God Almighty. I'm going to have our worship team come and lead us in this song, and then we'll get more instructions on what happens for lunch afterwards. But thank you for coming. If you're new here, this is who we are. We believe in a big God who has a big plan for our church, and we'd love you to be a part of that in the coming days.